Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Well, this is me trying, Amy. Okay. Yeah, we're the last great American dynasty. You know that? I I love it when you start out with something that I have no idea what it means. So well, That's going to make my tears ricochet, Amy. What are you talking about? I need you to explain it. Well, today's a big day, Amy. Best day of 2020 so far. Yeah, I know what this is about. What? Yes. Tell, tell everybody, we're recording this on Thursday. Yes, we are. Thursday. And what's happening? July 23rd, in fact. On midnight, in just a few hours, there's a new album dropping. Yeah, I've heard. Yes. So go ahead, kind of explain. A, kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal in, in you know in this world. Taylor Allison Swift with her eighth studio album, Folklore. So those lines Very earlier exciting. were me me quoting song titles from the track lists. Oh, because you've already looked at that. I'm gonna tell you that exactly. I haven't looked at the track lists at all. So yeah. I don't so. I don't know if that will surprise you or not, but she yeah. she wrote one about your vacation though. It's the uh, the oh. bonus track. The lakes. Great. So this is the part in the show where <laughs> it becomes really clear and it's very just odd because while I do like Taylor Swift, I like there's some albums I, I have enjoyed. I just don't have the, you know, I mean, we could talk like James Taylor. We could talk. There's other people. No, we're not going to. Okay. But I just don't. I just don't have the knowledge base yeah. that you do for this. Yeah. So which is I'm no match for you. That's what. That's I'm right. Saying. I'm just gonna clip that part right there. Like I have some other outtakes. so Oh, yeah, like the one that you did where I said, you're right, you're right. That's you're right. And you just over and over it. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that one. So I'll just say it again. I am no match for you when it comes Period. to Taylor Swift trivia. You could have so. just stopped right there, but that's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's not what we're here for this week. That's my other podcast, This Week in Taylor Swift News. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, Let's get back to this podcast, Amy. We start this week with some extremely sad news of John Powell, a church planner and pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in New Caney, Texas, uh, was killed in a highway accident last Saturday as he was reportedly helping a driver who had stopped in traffic lanes. Uh, A truck driving north on U.S. Highway 75 uh, was struck by a car. It caught on fire. John and his other passenger hopped out of the car to try to you know, help out and an 18 wheeler came by and John pushed the other guy out of the way and was hit by the semi truck, uh, according to witnesses and uh, lost his life. Just a, a tragic, tragic loss for the SPC. When you heard this, you sent this news immediately to me and George Schroeder and the outpouring that has really come over the last several days of people just paying tribute to John Powell. I, I tell you, none of that has surprised me because I think, so I met him in uh, Houston in 2013 at the SBC when I was there and uh, uh, we were at, there was an event and a mutual friend um, was talking to him. I went over to speak and so then I met him and then I may have met him a couple of other times. But what was interesting is after that conversation, our friend said something to me about how, he was just the most 
real deal kind of person. Like just what you see was what you get and just a dedicated pastor that his friends loved him. Well, then through the years after that, anytime he was mentioned, that was the way people talked about him. So a lot of times when a tragedy like this happens, you hear great tributes about people. But the things that I've been hearing the last few days were the same things that I would hear every time his name was mentioned over the last five years. Like they weren't just upon reflection in this moment. Like that really was his reputation. And um, so when I saw it, I I was struck, even not knowing him that well. Like I'm, I, he may not would m- might not have known me on the street, but even not knowing him that well, I was struck by how this was going to be like a gut punch to many in the convention. Um, and then it seems, you know, a comment that I noticed. Um, Marty Duran tweeted, I didn't know John Powell, the church planter in Texas, but mentions of him have either matched or maybe surpassed mentions in my timeline of J.I. Packer, and that seems significant. And so it really shows you something about just a dedicated, godly life and somebody who just loved being a pastor I mean, this is somebody who made an incredible impact everywhere, everywhere he was. So um, this is a tough one. Uh, absolutely. And uh, like you said, I, I would echo all of that. And uh, I, I've met him a few times in passing, really. I mean, I we may have had one or two conversations at events together. Um, we just didn't run quite in the same circles. We have a lot of mutual friends, but we just never connected for some reason. And I, and I kind of hate that now, you know, looking back and, and seeing what all of our mutual friends had had said about him, so uh, really, really missed out on that. And but you know, it, it just was to see the outpouring that we've seen this week from across the convention. And it, it wasn't just you know we tend to have our little pockets of people that we know you know here and there. We, right. we all have our little people that we you know circles of influence that we have. His is far and wide. I mean, it was it was crazy. And just how how many people were impacted by his his life and legacy? And what's interesting is the the impact he made far and wide never has had the impression in all of the conversations of someone who was. I mean, he wasn't just like networking for for ambition, you know, or anything like that. It was all people who they've just they were just impacted by the way he lived his life and the way he treated people. And, um, I, that's, that's an incredible example. I've, I've thought, you know, several times this week, man, um, that's, that really is the kind of life we want to live is something that displays Christ like, like this man. So, um, pretty incredible. He does leave behind a, uh, wife, Catherine, who has a, just a wonderful reputation as well. And, um, four children. So this is obviously very difficult days ahead, uh, for them. There's a, a Baptist press story. There's also been a GoFundMe site yeah. to raise funds for his family. Yeah. And my goodness, people have really stepped up for that. Yeah. $275,000 raised so far on that. We'll put right. the GoFundMe link into that or into the show notes, if you'd be interested in helping donate to that. We have, and uh, I know many, many across the convention have, I mean, 2,600 donors, Amy, have given to this. 
just incredible. What that, a I mean, testimony. Th- that shows it's it's not, I mean, just that right there shows you the impact that he had and the reputation that he had. So uh, right. we, we uh, you know, just heartbreaks for Catherine and the kids and uh, everyone at uh, the church there in New Caney. So uh, just some incredibly sad news to start off uh, this week's podcast with. And, and just really this week, it's just been a heavy week because of this. So uh, just, a, just a tragic, tragic loss for the Southern Baptist Convention. Amy, we have a legal update. Here, we play our legal update music. We haven't used this in a while, Amy. There it is. We have an update from New Orleans in the lawsuit against the North American Mission Board by Will McCraney. That has been remanded back to a district court by a federal appeals court last week. So last Friday, last Thursday, maybe last Thursday night, I think this dropped uh, last late last Thursday. We didn't have it in time to get on the podcast last Friday, uh, but we have the dismissal decision uh, being reversed. Back in April of last year, a dismissal was given in this case because of the ecclesiastical abstention doctrine. Well, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals came in, looked back, and said, not yet. So sent it right. back down. They, they basically said the relevant question is whether it appears certain. It appears certain. That, that's the key right there, Amy. That resolution of McCraney's claims will require the court to address purely ecclesiastical questions. And they say, at this stage, the answer is no. At this time, it, it is not certain. That resolution of McCraney's claims will require the court to interfere with matters of church government, matters of faith, or matters of doctrine. If NAM presents evidence of these reasons and the district court concludes it cannot resolve McCraney's claims without addressing these reasons, then there may be cause to dismiss. So the uncertainty yes. is really the key there. That's what kicked it back down. And they're like, we yeah. can't be for certain here. So we're going to yeah. let it go. Keep going. So. We'll see what happens next. I honestly don't know what. I mean, I, I there's a lot. There's a lot still to go in this case. Yeah, a lot. A so. lot of pieces. And this was uh, the three ju- a three judge panel. Yeah. From the Fifth Circuit that mm-hmm. that made this ruling. So they basically kicked it back down. You know, a lot of times these types of cases they can just go on for a while because there are a number yeah. of different legal questions involved. So we just will keep you posted. Yeah, just kind of wait and see. So that's the the legal thing is you know just hurry up and wait because they'll that's right somebody will file something and then a couple of months will go by and then that'll be resolved and then somebody else will file something else and a couple more months will go by i mean this is july and this came from back in february whenever this case was heard so this case was heard right, right before the covid stuff happened and everything got shut down back early february I think it was february the 6th i believe and now what is this five months later here we are so yes. It's going to take a while still. So we'll keep an eye on it, let you know if anything changes in that case. But uh, as of now, it's headed back down to the U.S. District Court. All right. Some other news from NAM. Big news here, Amy, from Sin Relief. Greg Wilton has been named Sin Relief's National Director for Refugees and Internationals. So, yes, Greg will operate out of Clarkson, Georgia. So that's where their ministry center is for refugees and internationals. Uh, And he just served with the IMB in Southeast Asia. So he just completed a term and will really be able to bring that experience into this. Yeah. Uh, And the Wilton family name is one that should be familiar to Southern Baptist, Amy. 
Yes, absolutely. So his brother Rob is a NAM missionary in Pittsburgh who oversees the Sin Relief Ministry Center. There is the Sin City Missionary for Pittsburgh and is lead pastor of Vintage Church Pittsburgh. And their father, Don Wilton, pastor of First Baptist Church Spartanburg, South Carolina. So the first time I ever heard of Don Wilton is when I was a college student. And uh, that was the big church downtown, and he had the coolest accent around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was right down the street from my college campus, and uh, he had the coolest accent in town. Everybody everybody loved to hear Don Wilton preach. He still does. He does. Yes. Yes, he does. So... So yeah, so congratulations to Greg Wilton, uh, Rob, good friend of the pod. So I, I don't know if I've ever met Greg. I've met Don, met Rob, right? Never met Greg. So well, maybe, maybe we will. We'll have to. We'll. I guess we will. Uh, my my hunch is, Amy, that we will run into Greg at some point. At some <laughs> now point. that he's uh, at this role with North American Mission Board. So and and I guess IMB too. So sin relief, you know, combination of IMB and NAM. So. Uh, congratulations to Greg, and uh, looking forward to their work with refugees and internationals over at Send Relief. Some news from Mississippi, Amy. Sad news this week. The Baptist Record, the Mississippi State Paper, will cease printing after 143 years. Yes. So it's going to go fully digital. It will be free of charge on its website. This is a really, a, a really big deal. The Baptist Record was founded in 1877. By J.B. Gambrell. So those that's a name who, people should know. Yes, you should. Um, so those who are interested in SBC history definitely will know J.B. Gambrell, and there he was quite uh, quite the involved leader of his day. And uh, this was just one thing uh, of all that he did. He was uh, he started the Baptist Record. He was a pastor in Mississippi. He was editor of the Baptist Standard in Texas. Um, he was president of Mercer University in Georgia. He was one of the founders of Southwestern and was a four-term president of the Southern Baptist Convention. So, Quite the resume. The Baptist, yeah, it's, it's quite the resume. So um, this being one of the things that he started, it's kind of sad to think about this thing that, that got started so far back then and um, of course, J.B. Gambrell, a uh, very interesting individual, and I have read a lot of his his stuff. And uh, he's a complicated man, and but but really started a lot of a lot of things. Um, so kind of crazy to see something like this just just end. So yeah. we can still get news from Mississippi Baptist on the website, uh, but no longer in print. Yes, internet killed the newspaper star. Amy. Yes. All the best to them in their move to a digital version. William Perkins uh, down there in Mississippi runs the Baptist record. So uh, he's been there, I think, 28 years total, 24 years as the editor. So a long term as editor for William Perkins down there in Mississippi. Wish him all the best as they move fully digital. All right. Wrapping things up, Amy, some news from North Carolina, a state exec search team has been formed. Melanie Wallace, who's chairman of the board of the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina, announced the following folks to be that search team. Nine individuals going to serve on the committee tasked with finding the replacement for Milton Hollifield. Uh, Noah Crow, who's the interim pastor at Peachtree Memorial in Peachtree, 
North Carolina. Quintel Hill, pastor of Multiply Church in Monroe. Michael Sowers, pastor of First Baptist in Bowie's Creek. Jared Scott, pastor of Green Pines in Nightdale. Don Warren, member of Parkwood Baptist in Gastonia. Beth Wooten, a member of Beulahville Baptist in Beulahville. Alan Bloom, friend of the pod, uh, who's interim pastor at Pittsburgh Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, former editor of uh, the state paper in North Carolina. Jennifer Thopil, who's a member of Salem Baptist Church in Dobson, and Andrew Hopper, who's the pastor at Mercy Hill in Greensboro. Andrew also serves as the Committee on Nominations Chairman uh, right now in the SBC. So uh, those folks are tasked with that, and uh, we will look forward to see what they will recommend later this year or next year whenever their work is done and they have a candidate. So uh, also from North Carolina, Amy, we talked about this on the pod just a couple of weeks ago, but this week, Dr. Aiken there at Southeastern tweeted out that he plans to nominate Keith Whitfield, who's, a, a, I'd say, a, a decent friend of the pod, to be the school's next provost. Yes. So uh, said he's going to move to take off the acting part of provost. That's that's the plan. So that is something that has to be approved by the board of trustees. And uh, so that will take place in October. So it's kind of weird to talk about this. I almost feel like I just am answering the questions from you because we got to I, I can't even report the news on this. I'm just speaking personally here. So, yes, yeah. it was announced this week. It was. So Keith uh, yep. will have lost his amateur vost status. He will be a pro vost. On that <laughs> note, we will go to well my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. So I was looking in 1956, and and actually I saw a couple of stories here. So I wanted to to bring them both up. One was, you know how I love to talk about surveys, and so what's interesting is they are telling a story about kind of before. Um, they're talking about how they hadn't they had not had a survey um, for a long time that the last agency survey had been during the Great Depression. So in 1933, when the United States was in what we commonly call the Depression, that's how they said it in 56, the Southern Baptist Convention numbered 4,173,928 members in its 24,270 cooperating churches. So that was in 1933. Total gifts of that year, and this is everything. This is the big, you know, local churches, state conventions, the SBC itself. So this is everything. Total gifts of that year were 23 and a quarter million dollars. Um, that's also the, the, they, they had had a committee of the SBC that recommended no change in the way the denomination organized. So Virginia Baptists had stepped up, had proposed some revisions and, they were thinking about seminaries being consolidated, home mission board and foreign mission board be merged. So that's kind of interesting because every time we have conversations about that, because those are those are things that have been talked about before in sort of major debate, merging of, of mission boards or consolidating of seminaries. We always think we're the first ones to have these conversations, but we're not. So um, so the committee that had been studying that proposal said it would be unwise to disturb in any way the machinery of our denominational agencies, and that was because of the, the Depression. 
So they said between 1933 and 1956, no committee has had the task of studying Southern Baptist Convention organization. And so, and so the 1956 convention session had asked for a committee to undertake such a study and report in 1957. So there was this kind of new thing. They hadn't really talked through some stuff for over 20 years and they were getting ready to. So in that time, that 23-year period, it said Southern Baptists have been in one of their greatest periods of growth. They number now 8,474,741 members in 30,377 churches. That baptisms had been about 211,000 in 1933, and in 1956, they were surpassing 400,000. Um, said that giving, which remember I just said that giving in 33 had been 23 and a quarter million. That giving in uh, 1955, I guess, had reached 335 million for local, state, and SBC work. So this was just interesting because they had this committee that was coming up to sort of study some revision. And uh, they realized it had been 23 years since they had really talked about it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. The purpose was to find the most effective way of promoting the kingdom of God through the Southern Baptist Convention. And of course, we've had this, we had this before, obviously, we've had it since. I mean, the last time we had a committee that really deeply surveyed convention agencies would be the Covenant for a New Century. Um so anyway, we're always kind of talking about how we do our work. Well, they were doing the same thing uh, this week in SBC history in 1956. Um, but there was another story that was very interesting about two Baptist World Alliance, because we we're very involved in the Baptist World Alliance at the time, were uh, leaving uh, the Theodore Adams pastor of First Baptist Church, Richmond, Virginia, and Bob Denny, Associate Secretary for Youth in Washington, were headed on a six-week around-the-world official visit with Baptists in other countries. They were headed to Spain. Um, They were headed to Madrid in Spain, Rome, Athens, Beirut, Karachi, Calcutta, Bangkok, Singapore, Jakarta, Manila, Taipei, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Seoul, and Honolulu. So, Quite the trip around the world in what forty-two days? Six Ayo, times seven. Well hey, played. I well did played. some math around the world math. in forty-two days with two Baptists, and I thought that was kind of a cool, cool story too. But the but the survey and just looking at the structure, very interesting um, difference between thirty-three and fifty-six. There, I'm trying to figure out how we can put that in the budget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a wish great. I, wish I should have read this before I had that budget meeting day. I could have said, "Yeah, hey. I know." <laughs> yeah, and look I would have been this. laughed out of the room. By the way, <laughs> yeah, this is a really this issue of of Baptist Press was really a cool one. There's a story in here about a 90 year old man baptized by his grandson, minister um, by his grandson, uh, pastor of uh, First Baptist Church in Leechville, Arkansas. So that's kind of cool. And so he got to baptize his 90-year-old grandfather. Um, so just a, just a lot, of neat, lot of neat stuff in this issue. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? A book I just ordered. Shocker. It's historical fiction. 
I know I'm always, I, yeah, it's historical fiction and it's called My Dear Hamilton, a novel of, oh, Eli- yeah, of Eliza Schuyler Hamilton. Yeah. So I, I've seen that on Amazon. It's, it shows up in my recommended items. I bet it does. Quite a bit. I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about this. So um, I'm not always big on historical fiction because it it's like, it's taking real characters and Putting yeah. them in situations Lying. or having them say things that may that weren't necessarily yeah true the real thing, but uh, I I just I've heard enough good things about this one that I I want and I think they try to get it pretty close to the story. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I've seen it and I, I haven't bought it, but I I've seen that. So I guess if you if you're a big Hamilton fan and enjoying that on Disney Plus, here you go. Right. So, all right, my resource of the week is Chris Renzema's latest album, Let the Ground Rest. So I, I didn't see this uh, until today. Somebody pointed it out. But uh, just a couple of days ago, TGC put out, or actually yesterday uh, on Wednesday, they put out a list of 15 artists to watch, quality Christian music. Brett McCracken, friend of the pod, wrote this and uh, put out some stuff and Chris Renzema was on the list, which I didn't know it was on the list. Somebody pointed it out to me earlier. I became aware of Chris Renzema about three or four weeks ago when I was at Ridgecrest. And I kept, they they had a playlist or whatever, Planet Camp Crestridge. And I kept hearing this song and I'm like, I really like the song, but I have no idea who this is or even what song this is. So I shazammed it and it was Chris Renzema. The, the song was the title track, Let the Ground Rest from his latest album that just released this year. And I was blown away by that song. And I texted you at that time and said, you need to check this guy out. It's kind of a yeah. combination of like Josh Gurrell's and Drew Holcomb. And I, I just thought it was fantastic. I've been listening to him. I've listened to him like nonstop for like the last three or four weeks. And then I see this article this week saying this guy is one of the guys to watch. And I can confirm because Let the Ground Rest is one of my favorite albums I've discovered in quite some time. I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. So everything starts off with a song called Springtime, goes all the way through to the end with Let the Ground Rest. And Let the Ground Rest, oh, it's so good. It's so good. So that is my recommendation, the new album from Chris Renzema. Uh, he's got two or three others. Go back, listen to those. They all sound you know, very similar. They have a similar vibe to them. Uh, you know, indie acoustic type, uh, singer-songwriter type feel. So... If you're a big fan of Andrew Peterson, Drew Holcomb, Josh Gorell's, that kind of music, you're going to like this. So it's really right. strong. So uh, I, I highly, highly recommend it. I have not found a CD that I've listened to like this from a Christian artist in quite some time. So, I mean, probably the last last album I've had on repeat like this was Andrew Peterson's uh, Resurrection Letters, Prologues, and uh, Volume 1. So, uh, I mean, it's it's up there with that kind of stuff. I, I just can't stop listening to it. It's that good. And if he's Southern Baptist, if anybody knows if he's Southern Baptist, we'll have him on and we'll talk to him. <laughs> Very cool. Because it's my pod, Amy. And it's, yes. It's our pod. It's our pod. So I'll make you make him one of our most uh, fascinating Southern Baptists of the year because I'm a fan. We'll, 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 definitely, we'll definitely research that. So This could be a hard one this year for your most fascinating Southern Baptist because – Things have been locked down so much, and there hadn't been a whole lot. I better know. start. I'll start working now. Yeah, you're going to have to start, start getting ahead of that, so don't wait till the last minute. Thanks for hanging with us this week. We'll see you next week. 
See you next week. 